Hello CFI sweetheart. How is your weekend? Oh my god, mine is crazy. I have had a very difficult weekend, but um I just have to keep my promise to you guys that I will be consistent and no matter what, I will have to record and produce this podcast so that you can get something out of it. So today is episode 24 of our Coming for You podcast, aka CFI official podcast with me your host Maximiliana and today I have a very special guest. We met here in abroad uh, in Ireland to be specific. Our conversation is going to base on issues to do with career development and yeah, so I hope you are going to get something out of this conversation. So, Dr. Robert Runya Muzungu, how are you? <laughs> I'm fine thank you. Okay. So I uh, thank you very much for accepting to be in our podcast today Robert. This means a lot to us. Uh I just want to ask to dive deep into career development. I know because we are here in abroad. I mean we have a privilege of having both experience from Africa and here in Europe. So how was it for you to shift from uh, having a career in Africa and also having a career here in abroad? Uh well I don't know I don't know if I should call it a shift or I'll say it's just part of my career journey really it wasn't like a shift I never made any shift in terms of in terms of uh switching careers but of course there's a there, there was the aspect of the geographical shift from coming from tropics and now I'm in Europe which is in temperate region so of course there's been differences mm. in the kind of systems in the kind of uh, expertise that is applied uh, back at home and here so I'll say it's been uh, it's been challenging mm. in one way and another way it's been great as well so I've had both my lows and high moments mm. in the in this journey yeah i actually can you take us through your lows and your highs because it's obvious that we need a little bit ambitious when it comes to career development and ca- our career path especially when we are coming from africa uh well first of all i, I would say i think for me move to ireland generally the the wider island of ireland to do my phd in northern ireland which is part of the uk but i never anticipated that i would end up working here that was it wasn't the initial goal or that I hadn't really set up my mind in terms of where I would work I was really very open minded um so of course the loss came in through doing a PhD during covid and having to go through um you know the cultural uh or like the social cultural shift in terms of not being able to socialize like the way we used to socialize we had like almost two and a half years of uh covid where a lot of things happened and I would say I was mainly in isolation for a better part of that time um and then of course having to go through the challenge of doing a PhD in itself um it was draining I would say uh so first of all let me just appreciate to say that it's it was a great a moment for me to be able to to do a project that I really enjoyed but the thing is in as much as there was a the bit where i really enjoyed doing the project but it also it was also challenging both mentally physically and also emotionally because um you always face with this uh, issue of not believing in yourself enough you always feel like you're not you're not adequate imposter syndrome coming in and out um uh, so in the beginning it's kind of like a struggle trying to fight imposter syndrome but then later on you realize you're not alone in that journey or you're not alone facing a similar thing because even we had this uh, chat with my professor and he will also mention from time to time that this is a very common thing they will also 
face that. So in the process, then I started uh, embracing some of these uh, insecurities and feelings. And yeah, I'll say a combination of that and my highs, mm. being able to pursue a project that I was so passionate about, my re- me being very resilient even through COVID and even through the, the mental challenges of doing a PhD. I'll say that combination for me really made the person that I am today. That's very interesting, Robert. I like that you mentioned the issues to do with um, emotional challenges and w- which people don't talk about a lot of times. Uh, you mentioned the imposter syndrome. Not everybody admits it and it happens to us uh, almost every time. So how were you able to achieve normalcy? Well, of course, it's, again, it's a combination of self-reflection. So first of all, uh, I do lots of self-reflection whenever I'm faced with such type of challenges. So, of course, through self-reflection, it kind of like helped me really to be able to identify uh, where I needed help and what kind of help that I needed. And of course, you also, it helps to identify the the right people uh, to seek help from. So, of course, I had a very, a very good team of supervisors um, mm. and advisors, uh, which to me, I consider them more of mentors than uh, supervisors. And they were very open, I'll say. Uh, they kept their lines of communication very open throughout the, the whole journey of the PhD. And whenever I had, like, even a personal issue, I would discuss this with them and they'll be very happy to, to share a thing or two with me. So then, of course, I also had a very good team of uh, a group of friends whom we were together in this same journey. And I think being in that group and being able to share the the day-to-day struggles mm. of doing a PhD and also being far away from home, I would say, um, gave me that platform also to be able to, to express myself and embrace those weaknesses and embrace my own insecurities in such mm. in such a way, but also being able to actually have a community because I think one of the challenges that a lot of people face whenever you are abroad is you're far away from home and that means in a way you need to have a community because I think for us coming from the tropics or rather in Africa, we live in a community. We are very communal in a lot of a lot of the things and that sense of community for me is something that uh, I would say has always kept me going because whenever, wherever I go, I always try as much as possible to build a community around myself and it doesn't matter how many friends there are. There could be like two or three, but as long as we have a very tight, strong community, even with my two or three friends, to me, that is also like a form of security that I have because I know where you know just meeting 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 them sharing a meal or even talking to me that really does magic to my mental health yeah absolutely yeah. Uh, that, i'm very happy for you i'm very happy for you uh, robert for you were able to achieve all that um so now let's now discuss about the systems and the resources available here in europe in comparison to africa because uh you know that uh, the system back home uh, the way it is coming from tanzania and i know that you are coming from kenya so how can you define the difference that you've seen of the systems of career path and the resources available i'll say there's uh, there's quite a there's quite a lot of differences in a lot of areas so first of all you finish school and then of course the expectation is that you're looking for a job so i think talking from the experience in kenya um we are now moving towards a full digital transformation so what that means is a lot of the jobs will be easily available online you know they are 
several job sites even in Kenya that you can actually find jobs um you know because initially would people would actually buy newspapers that was like the mainstream media was through newspapers where you you know you see the classifieds they had a, like a job section uh, another classified section of every newspaper and you know you'll be able to send a job application through mail or even just sending the that copy application to to the respective institution that you want to apply for but things have really changed then and those years and now to the point where I would say that's the similarity you know I'm able actually to send an application to any job even in Kenya online or just via email which is really a good thing but the differences I would say to me here about about Europe is in the sense that these I'll say there's um there's a lot of there's a lot of it's very structured and meritocracy also comes in as a very important aspect of the system where so from my experience for instance when I finished my PhD or just before I finished my PhD I started looking for the job trying to map out different opportunities and different sites and trying to be able to map out the, the areas that we want to focus on in terms of job search so one of my first resources was LinkedIn of course LinkedIn was very fantastic and that allowed me to search for jobs based on a title and also based on location as well so because I was very open to work anywhere in the world so that kind of opened me up to a lot of opportunities through LinkedIn again on LinkedIn I had the chance also of interacting with recruiters directly and I could actually message them and you know be able to share my my, my CV and uh, my profile just to make sure that you know to inquire if they have similar roles around my area uh, that is something that i would say probably in kenya we've not gotten to the point where now you can easily interact with recruiters directly on linkedin for instance yes you could apply for jobs on linkedin but in terms of getting recruiters yeah there probably one or two people who are doing that but yeah it's it's not it's not like compared to what 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 i experienced here and then the other site that i used personally was indeed indeed was one of the site um then there was glasto uh, there was then there was also the the local recruiters like hayes for instance is one of the recruiters that you know you could fill a profile create an account with them and they will actually a recruiter in a particular field or rather in the field that you you're in after reviewing your profile they'll actually contact you in case there's an available position around your area and discuss the possibility of you getting through an interview so i would say having all these options to me that's that's something that i really I really love about this place and the fact that if you qualify if you have the skills and you're given the opportunity to interview then you know usually an interview is an opportunity for you to demonstrate that you have the skills and expertise this particular area mm. and yeah the fact that the whole selection process basically from when you submit an application to when you are considered for the interview to the job a lot of the a lot of the applications i've actually met some of them actually they they have they have, they have moved to so like in kenya for instance if i was to make an application all of that they will also retain your bio data that also includes like your age your gender your probably ethnicity sometimes where you're coming from and this in a way might either work for you or against you mm. but here in europe that data may be collected during the application process but for a lot of the time some application they will also towards the end they will also ask you if you want that to be maintained or you don't want it to be used in the selection process mm. and a lot of the time it's like anonymous so which gives the recruiter 
an objective uh, opportunity or an, an opportunity for them to be objective in their selection process where they will only consider you based on your skills and the education and they wouldn't for a lot of them they wouldn't even know that you're coming from africa you're a man or you're male you're female or you know they wouldn't know some of this information until the, uh, the time when you're uh, during the interview mm. so i think that is part of the a lot of these institutions have like a diversity and inclusion policies even and some of these policies are also embedded into the recruitment process which is something i would say um we've not you know if i compare that to kenya it might be there on paper but in practice it's not being implemented to be honest yeah. so those are those are some of the, the differences yeah yeah you you analyze that very well i don't think um, i would have done a better job of analyzing that difference very well dr robert i noted that you said at least you are flexible to work anywhere in the world what a privilege that is and so now my question is is it difficult for someone who does not have a privilege like you uh, to get a job here in europe or even back home first of all you have to understand that uh, in as much as our education system was heavily borrowed from the British system. But this is from not from my experience, but from the information that I've gathered, at least from people, from friends, and also reading. Mm. There is, there's a bit of some mistrust in our education system by, let's say, employers here. Unless you have, you know, the specialized skills, you know, and even for the specialized skills, for instance, I'll give an example for medical doctors. For them even to come and practice here, they have to be put through test yeah you know you know like in the uk they have club one and club two test and the fact that they have to be put through those tests does for them to be licensed to operate here it does not make them less skilled because mm. they've gone through the education system mm. they they pass the exams while in kenya but the thing is why do they have to be put through that it, so in a way it's like they have to prove that they can Mm. So there's that bit of uh, levels of mistrust because even even ignore that a lot of uh, there's been complaints of course in even in terms of uh, you know having to subject people looking um, who have who have like a student visa or who are applying for student visa or a work visa they are being subjected to do an English proficiency exam mm. ILS or TOEFL and you know very well at least for the countries that were close with the British our education system is fully. Yeah, you know, uh, more or less similar in terms of the language of instruction. English yeah. actually is a formal language of instruction mm. uh, from kindergarten all the way to university. So the question is, why then do I need to prove that I can actually communicate in English when I was already tested in school? Yeah. So the question is, is it is it an issue of mistrust or is it just a money making business for some countries? Yeah, you know, and we never we never do the same for people people who are coming. Uh, to let's say Nairobi to work like from Europe, we never submit them to some of those examinations. I would say there is a lot of experts and professionals from Africa, Kenya, Tanzania, Uganda, uh, Nigeria, Ghana who are working here and who never had the opportunity to get education abroad. Mm. Like they spend their you know their undergrad or even masters or even PhDs in in Africa and still be able to be able to secure a, a job here. At the end of the day, it boils down to how you package yourself. Yeah, that's that's the most important thing. Whether you know regardless of uh, where you got your education, as long as you package yourself well and you you're able to demonstrate that indeed your skill in that particular profession or that particular job you are applying for, then personally I don't see any reason as to why you shouldn't be given the opportunity to at least demonstrate that either through an interview or even the job. So uh, I would say a lot of, for a lot of people, of course, it's also a mix of fear and not being also confident enough on themselves. Mm. 
Yeah. So otherwise, to be honest, even even when I never had this opportunity to study here, I don't think that would have been a hindrance for me to to try and seek opportunities abroad. If I wanted, I would still be, be able to do that. Okay. Now I love the the fact that you touch base on the how you package yourself because we discuss about resources and we discuss about the system and the differences between you know Africa and Europe. But now let's talk about people's attitude, as you mentioned, how you package yourself. What is your attitude toward um, a, a certain you know field of study that you studied? Are you confident enough? So how do you advise people to package themselves? Because I was there too. At some point in my life, my CV was like yeah. it, it was not good. Yeah. I just had to sit down and you know update it and learn how to write a good CV. Yeah. My motivation letters were just like you know there random, but now I had to learn yeah. how do I put my motivation letter, you know, so yeah. that I present myself to an employer and that employer understands that I am interested in that job, I'm qualified for that job, and I can do the job. Well, this is very general. I will still speak to my based on my experience. Mm. Um, I've had opportunity to, to be interviewed a couple of times. Uh, of course, some went negative, some were positive. Mm. But the whole essence of the application process of being able to write a CV, writing a cover letter, is actually for you to show, or rather to kind of like fight a chance for the interview. Because uh, for a lot of time, the the decision, if you know, if the, if the whole process is fair and transparent the decision to hire you won't be based on the application you make but a lot of that decision is actually made immediately after the interview mm. so which means whatever you submit is it's actually this is how you look at it right imagine you imagine yourself as a brand you're a product actually because whenever you apply for a job it's like you're selling a product mm. so if you're selling a product for for even the client in this case you have the, the, the organization that you're applying for who is now the client in this case because you are selling yourself as a product, um, they will look at how you brand yourself. And part of that branding also involves the packaging. But remember, you've not had a chance to meet the, the recruiter mm-hmm. or the employer. The only chance that you have is through that application. That's your first point of contact. Mm-hmm. And the impression that you make during that first po- point of contact will determine whether you get a second chance for the interview, which is going to be your second point of contact, like either physical or virtual, but that's going to be the second point of interview if you manage to secure a slot for the interview. So what that means is, um, personally, I always have three templates for CV. I have a template for, let's say, if I'm applying for an academic or research job, about a template if I'm applying for an, an academic job, maybe in the industry, and about a template if I'm applying for, let's say, a consulting role. Mm. And the way I deal with these three templates is that I usually tell I make it to the job. Mm-hmm. So first of all, I see an advert. I I will first of all look at the job description. I will look at what is required, and then before I even make an application, I usually do a self-assessment. Mm. If I meet the minimum criteria, so let's say they have like. 10 responsibilities and out of those 10 i can do maybe 50 percent that's i qualify for five fifty percent and then the five percent fifty percent left you know i can gamble in between i'll go ahead and make that application so of course i'm not what i'm trying to say is don't disqualify yourself let the recruiter disqualify you but don't disqualify yourself mm-hmm. but uh, but also don't oversell yourself there are those yeah. jobs you know you can imagine you just left for university but then you want to apply for a director position or a CEO position it's not possible <laughs> it's not possible so yeah. so you you always have to be very realistic also but dare to dream of course dare to dream and so I usually look at the verbs in in the description 
So mm. verbs, the verbs could include like coordinate, manage, plan, organize, yeah. analyze. Mm-hmm. And I pick those verbs in every job, uh, in every responsibilities, in every line of the responsibilities. And I'll make sure those verbs are actually reflected. So if, for instance, the job scheme mentions that I need to be able to analyze using this particular program, then I'll make sure in my CV, it reads analyze this data using this program. It could be a different program, but at least I'll make sure the analyze is there. The reason why I'm saying this is because nowadays, a lot of the organizations receive thousands of applications. Yeah, and they use computer software to tailor the thing. So what happens for a lot of the times is they want to spend very little time mm-hmm. to sift through these thousands of applications and make a very quick decision on who should be invited for the interview. So most of this will actually go through softwares. Yeah. And they will check for keywords. Yeah. So they will, they will do a match between your CV, your cover letter, and the job description. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, if they set the match percentage to be, let's say, 80% match. So if there's an 80% match between the job description and your CV and cover letter, mm. then you qualify for the interview. Yeah. If for some reason they realize, okay, after setting that criteria, they still have a lot of people and they only want maybe 20 people to for the interview, they can take it higher to 90%. Yeah. So which means the higher the matching between your CV and the advert, the better for you. Mm. You know, so always advise people, always make sure there's something that matches directly with the job description. So don't just use, you can have a template, but never use the same CV, never use the same cover letter to apply for every single job. Yeah, because that- every single job brings forth a different set of requirements. Yeah. You know, different organizations will be looking for different things. It could be the same job in different organizations, but looking for different things. Mm-hmm. So always mirror the job description in your in your application. Yeah. That will guarantee you a chance for interview. Absolutely. And that has always worked for me. And I had to learn the hard way because, you know, sometimes you realize you spend a lot of time making applications and then you recycle the same CV, you recycle the same cover letter, and then you just change the title and this. And the address on your, on your, on your letter only to realize that you're not getting even regret letters to say that, oh, we received your application. <laughs> so it can be very frustrating in the end. <laughs> mm. But I think after talking to people or, you know, my, my, my colleagues who were ahead of me in this journey, then I, I learned a thing or two and, you know, also did my own research. So always research on the organization. Make sure that you tailor make your application that will fully address the job prescription. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree with you 100%. I also had to learn the hard way and take a lot of time. First of all, you need to accept that you have to learn because not everyone accepts that they need to learn. They yeah. think they know everything already because yeah. they have masters, they have PhDs, so yeah. they feel like, okay, now I need, I, I, I can get a job. They are entitled because mm. of their titles of like doctors and masters holders. Thank you so much, Robert, for sharing that valid information with us. I think our CFI sweethearts are going to enjoy this conversation and of of course get something out of it i also had a recent interview uh, and trust me i had to apply all the things that you said there tailor my cv very well matching with, with the position that i was applying for and everything went well um and so yeah it's about learning every day so do you have any other thing that you need to add there robert before we close the episode uh just to add on that is also check with the organization and check on the country you're applying for. Let's say if you are looking for international roles, different countries sometimes have different uh, CV formats that they mostly prefer. And you can always do a quick Google search just to check which 
is the most common CV to be used in a particular organization or in a particular country and you know try to fit your CV based on those formats and you, you can easily find templates and never make a last minute application mm. you know you want to take your time to package yourself as again I said you are the product here so for the client to be able to even give you uh, a chance to kind of like look at your product they have, first of all they have to make sure that your your packaging is good enough and it's attractive Yep. So before they even start uh, asking about the product and inquiring what the product does or what the product is able to do, it's the packaging. And the way to package is through your CV. So always do your research, do your research and do your research and never undersell yourself. Absolutely. I quite agree with yeah. you, uh, Robert. Thank you very much. In addition to that is also to let people know that you can't apply one job and say uh, i've applied jobs and so now i have been looking for jobs for this year i've not gotten any job any interview no sweetie no no sweetheart apply for as many jobs as you as as you can and make sure that you pick the ones that are relevant to you don't just apply for jobs to make yourself feel good that you applied for a job or you are looking for jobs so applying jobs is is a job give that job to yourself it's a big commitment um you have to be serious about it and you have to be very ambitious when you are doing that and you have to give yourself time generally both in Africa and in Europe of course in Europe is a little bit different because it, before you finish your studies you find yourself in that mood to start looking for jobs and before you graduate you find yourself with the job already um, but back home because you know employment there is a little bit scarce so it's a little bit scarcity so you need to apply as many jobs as you can uh, in in six months in three months you need to have sent many maybe 50 applications or 20 applications not less than that so that you can get yourself you know some chance out there thank you so much robert again for coming to this um episode this was very valuable i really really value this kind of conversation and uh, i'm looking forward to welcome you again for another episode if you have chance you can come anytime and yeah so just to remind you cfi sweethearts that uh, we will really appreciate you subscribing to our youtube channel and follow us on our social media platforms we are available on instagram and on tiktok so you can just search cfi official podcast thank you very much and ciao and bye bye for now